This is The Stories Podcast. I'm Harry Jones. Cramped, packed and anxious. All of this as a convoy of buses and coaches parade around the streets of Beijing. Thousands of parents mobbing the coaches, waving, watching their children pass by. Worried glances out of eyesight from the stuffed coaches are shared between parents as smoke billows from exhausts and traffic caught in the parade yell at the dense crowds to move from the road. No one has the heart to step away from the bright, smiling face of these young people, whose lives have, so far, led up to this moment. Families depend on these high school graduates, whose lives could be transformed away from the farms in the country to a more reliable future in the city. Yet, all of it rests on the result of one nine-hour exam. The Gaokao, created in 1952 in an effort by Chairman Mao's government to reform and standardise education, is the National College Entrance Exam. Students from all over the country partake in these examinations in an attempt to enter some of the most prestigious universities. For instance, Peking University, formerly the Imperial Capital University of China. Hundreds of thousands of Chinese high school graduates apply for less than 30,000 places at Peking every year. Yet this is only scratching the surface of the national hysteria surrounding school performance. In one survey in 2006, 9.5 million students applied for tertiary education, where there were only 3 million places available. According to another more recent survey, 1 in 1,000 people had attended some form of higher education. To put it into perspective, approximately 35% of people in England have attended some form of higher education, whereas in China, that number shrinks to 0.001%. Due to the sheer competitiveness and demand for the Gaokao, many provinces are forced to have additional entrance exams, called the Spring Entrance Examination, in which students can retake that nine-hour exam early. The future of millions is dependent on this one exam, hence why so many Chinese take education so very seriously. Much of children's lives are taken up by revision and study, some mothers even quit their jobs to aid their children with exam preparation. Missing homework is simply not an option. If anything, they want more. In China, education is a culture. Parents need children to succeed in the exam rooms, especially in a country that contains 20% of the entire world's population, 1.5 billion people, where jobs in the city can release an entire family from poverty. To skimp out on the school system isn't cool in China. Rather, it jeopardises your entire future and your families, with almost all top universities in China requiring a pass in the college entrance exam as standard. In England, it is quite a different story. According to the OECD, a fifth of people drop out of school at 16, presumably to either find work have had a debilitating illness preventing them from a useful and healthy time in school, or maybe they're just sick of the boring school life that they've been forced into. But why do people look away from school, especially in England, for answers to their lives when school is meant to prepare us for later life, they more specifically work? One answer is that it's boring. In a world of shorter attention spans, it's hard to concentrate or even find interest within the classroom. Practicality is overlooked by teachers with interactive whiteboards and classes 
at all theoretical maths and the electromagnetic forces within atoms, school is still plunging headfirst into textbooks, demanding students learn extensive passages by heart. Pupils are being trained into fact machines, sticking to the script handed out before every exam. And there's something particularly dehumanising about that. Well, it's particularly boring because it doesn't focus on the person, so it focuses directly on getting all the academic stuff, achieving the grades and pushing for certain routes, pushing you towards university, pushing you towards subjects like literature and economics, as opposed to looking at the individual, what skills they have and how to make the most of them. That's Taryn Johansson, a grammar school attendee who was kind enough to offer his thoughts on the current education system. He's currently planning on applying for apprenticeships around the country and has decided against following the standard career path of university. I definitely think that people should be pushed because pushing them is how they get to their potential and how they can make the most from it. But I think they probably need to be pushed more individually, more into what is actually right for them, um, as opposed to just channeling everyone down the same route and saying this is what you need. Because, well, obviously, eventually, if everyone does that, then there's going to be... An overload in that market and they've seen that with universities way too many people are going to universities now for the jobs i think what he touched on most importantly was the way in which students are shafted into academia as the basic standard of education post 16 apprenticeships and job seeking are always the reserve options the following being asked of them did you find it too hard you realize universities don't like that but what about your a-levels according to a government report of 85% of young people remaining in sustained education, a mere 4% are in apprenticeships associated with their colleges. Why do we have an obsession with academia? Why are students being bored in the classroom, being taught the events and significance of Napoleon, or Washington, or the adventures of Sir Francis Drake? Why do we have English colleges, and not a college for emotional understanding? Why business institutions, and not an institution for career self-belief and development? Why science schools, and not centres for cooperation. We go into an education system where we are all told that our test scores matter and our homework is vital in getting us into a good university. In 1991, researchers measured the social competence of 800 kindergartners, collecting test scores and homework results, but also how they worked with others to finish them, how many times they asked for help and how many times they resisted distractions. Nineteen years later, they reviewed their research with the now 25-year-olds and discovered a correlation. Those who related well with their peers and handled their emotions more calmly had a much higher chance of succeeding in later life. Not all of us are in total control of our emotions 100% of the time, but it's important that there is some scope to learn from these lapses, and this scope should be provided the place where most young people spend the majority of their life, school. We are taught how to pass a maths exam, but not how to deal with the death of a loved one, a friend moving away, or how to approach relationships. There is a serious gap in our school education, as we are stranded in the ocean of life, left to fend for ourselves as soon as we leave through the doors of the classroom. It seems to make sense why so many hate school. And what of those children in Beijing? whose lives are dominated by study and rigorous examinations. They are tested on the capacity of their memory, and not the ability to sustain friendships, family, or even a simple conversation. Chinese education is the living embodiment of the machine that pumps out young men and women who have not seen the light of day for years, 
they take their first steps out of a system that grilled them with exam after exam after exam, day after day after day. We participate in school for a reason. A reason that we might not all know, but most of us accept that we should be here. But in this environment, we forget. We forget that it doesn't all rest on one exam. We forget that all that matters right now isn't just school. We forget some of the most important things. The most important things, starting with your life. The Stories Podcast would like to thank Torin Johansson for agreeing to appear on this episode, as well as all those who have expressed support for the podcast. This episode was written and produced by me, Harry Jones, and you can find me on Twitter or on the Stories Podcast website by following the links below. Episodes of every week, which you can find on our website blog, along with updates, schedules, and stories never told on the podcast. But for now, see you next time for more stories written and read by Harry Jones. Have fun.